Hello, everyone. This is yours truly. It's been a while. It's been a long time since I have spoken to the to the crowd. But it's a special moment here on WSQF 94.5. Yours truly, Mac, and I am on, still on the rock. I have the tremendous pleasure to participate in something that, once again, can't fool me. We busted the village of Kibiskane sleeping at the wheel. We busted the county trying to, uh, I don't know, create like a bayside <laughs> at Cranden Marina. So it was a, quite an honor to be with you, Fausto Gomez. How are you, Fausto? Great, man. Thank you for the invitation. It was, uh, it's, it, it's really quite a, quite a moment to be off the air for, I was, I've been off the air since before Christmas. And in the meantime, I believe we, we, we had a moment of clairvoyance, you and I. You, of course, you brought your talent to the, to the meetings with uh, the first meeting with Regalado. And it was right down my alley. I just loved to, I was, it was quite an honor for you to, to alert me to what was going on. And you, uh, I, I will just let you explain to us, how in the hell were we doing the Village of Key Biscayne's job? <laughs> The two of us as citizens, all of a sudden, sitting there with something so monumental for this community. It's just, if it goes south, it goes south forever. Well, Manny, first of all, thanks for the invitation. And uh, remember, we started the campaign as citizens of Key Biscayne and this radio station against Plan Z. See, there is Blink Radio already working in motion. Right. And, um, you know, it's a moment of celebration for our community. It is a moment of celebration because as a, as a united community, citizen-led initiative, residents-led initiative, we were able to sort of rescind at the county commission Plan Z. It is completely off the table. It is not a current threat to our communities and certainly to our property values. So I think it's a moment of celebration in this community. And I thank everybody who was involved, all the citizens who were involved. I will thank also the council for sort of following the citizens after the citizens raised. Holy the, hell. <laughs> raised a concern. Let's put it that way. Yeah. The council sort of, which was passive, uh, followed and became engaged. So I think it's a moment for community celebration for every sector of this community to celebrate. I think it's also a moment of community celebration because of the horrible thing that happened with the two teenagers on East Enid who were held up at gunpoint. And let me sort of uh, talk to Veronica Sanz, who is the mother of one of the teenagers, and I am so sorry that that happened to her and to her child. It should never have happened. Yeah, it'll uh, be with him forever, too. Right. And it's a moment of community celebration because I understand that our police department has arrested four of the individuals involved. So I think it's a good day good couple of days for Key Biscayne. It's a very good couple of days for our community. And certainly it's a very good couple of days for the citizens of Key Biscayne. And uh, Ms. Sanz, when she spoke to council this week, was eloquent, was positive, and I have the highest respect for her and all the other mothers who appeared before council to speak about this horrible tragedy that happened to her son and quite frankly it happened to all of us yeah and, and it could have ended eerily wrong yeah and it happened to all of us because essentially what is you know our 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 community one of the benchmarks of our community is being safe okay one of the benchmarks we, of our yes, community we're known as the safest place in all of the county right and, and and this sort of incident happening which should never happen again um you know sort of affects all of us so I am uh, completely in accord with Miss um, Sands and the other mothers who appeared there. Um, I wish it never happened, but it did. And now the question is, what do we do moving forward? So you invited me to talk about the Rickenbacker, but if you'll allow me, let's talk a little bit about about the this heinous crime that happened in Key Biscayne to these and two yeah, teenagers. It's definitely, it's definitely nationwide, so it's a nationwide crisis, and when it affects us here personally, uh, here at Blink Radio, man, we, we want to talk about it. And, yeah. uh, L- let me just say, the you know, we are blessed to have our police department. Um, they were able to 
working with the community and and Deputy Chief Jonas has basically come out saying working with the community and that's why I want to celebrate our community uh, to identify the perpetrators and uh, rapidly working with our community and working with other police departments to to effectuate an arrest. And that's great and that is good and that should be applauded. The issue now is how do we look forward and not look back? In other words, how do we prevent crime? Because the issue is how do we prevent crimes on Key Biscayne? It isn't how do we arrest the perpetrators after a crime has been committed. Yes. Because, you know, what we want to make sure is that we prevent the crime initially. Yeah, so my first instinct would be neighborhood policing. Uh, we have to be, from this point on, we have to be vigilant on who our, our, our kids invite to Key Biscayne, who in the community uh, solicits these uh, invitations why these kids were here not that it's us against them or us were better or greater nothing it's just the truth yeah. I don't think he was getting kids would walk around holding anybody up I really don't think so so you know Ed London um, has proposed community policing and as he said at the last council meeting he had spoken to the former chief he has spoken to this chief he's spoken to the former managers he's spoken to this manager about community policing um, Ed London basically said, at, and I sort of anybody can look at the tape, so that um, his suggestions have been somewhat ignored. Okay, um, and I do believe his suggestions are right on target, which basically is you divide the community. With, you know, we're one square mile, essentially 1.1, 1.4 square mile in quadrants, and have community policing in that area, and you you sort of, you know, have the cars going through that area. If we look at this latest crime that happened, which I think is the most significant crime happening in Key Biscayne in many, many years. I just can't wrap my head around how these individuals were basically driving around our community, breaking into cars on sunrise, having an armed assault on East Inlet, and nobody saw it. Our, our police department didn't see it, and then when they left the key, they were able to leave the key, and we have one way in, one way out. Yeah, should it's be very, easy to catch. It should be easy to catch. Um, the police department the other day, and again, with all due respect to Chief Eunice, which I think um, he was excellent in front of council, but he said, we're working on a plan. It isn't a question of we're working on a plan. It is a question of what are you going to do? And once, where are, when are you going to present the plan? And what is the plan going to say? Is, are we going to focus on technology? Are we going to focus on manpower? You know, one of the things that I think was a little bit disappointing to me as a citizen was listening to the presentation. Um, and all, because ultimately there was no questions as to when are you going to present the plan? What does the plan going to so entail? No one had the right question to ask. Uh, I don't want to put words in the mouth of people, but I think the key questions are, Chief, thank you for being here. Number two is, we appreciate that you're working on a plan. Okay? When, is, when will the plan be presented to council and to the community? Okay? And what are you going to do in the interim, basically to assure that instances like this do not happen again? Because if the word gets out in the criminal community that we're sort of soft pickings, then this is just the first of a wave of crime that we can meet. And frankly, no, it's not the first time that there have been people who were stealing mags, stealing hood ornaments. Uh, there's there there are people residents who have woken up in the morning to go to work and find their car on cinder blocks. Yeah, but th that's very different than having an armed assault. Absolutely. Okay, and and I think the, the armed assault just takes it to a whole different level. Completely. And uh, you know, I was looking. Obviously, I was listening intently to the presentations on this issue in front of council last what, last Tuesday, a couple of days ago, and I, and I found, besides Ms. Um, Sanz's great presentation, heartfelt presentation and positive presentation. She never in her wildest dreams. I, w I was struck with two other individuals who spoke. One individual is basically stood up and said, my house was broken into on December 31st, and my case number is this, and assigned to my case was detective such and such, and since that day, I have called, and nobody's returned my call, and I have not had any contact 
with our police department. I found that to be, frankly, a very, very instructive and illuminating conversation. Well, here's a good one for you. Okay. I have them on camera. One gentleman, young guy, comes in, somewhat well-dressed, takes two of my drills, about $600 worth, $300 a piece. He leans towards my cashier as if, you know, could you check the price on this? When my cashier lowers her eyes to grab the actual UPC, uh, you know, pistol that reads sure. the barcodes, he runs with my drills. Please come. I give him screenshots of what he looked like right, right off the security cameras. Case report, apparently he hit in his in his group of friends that they hit the uh, Home Depot. It was a crime spree, but I never got a call back. No one's giving me an update. No one's told me, hey, we haven't caught these people. We have caught these people. Uh, they just know of them. So, you know, that's something that I really have not illuminated. But, yeah, I was shoplifted, uh, a, you know, a good $600 worth of brand new stuff. Now the, the second presentation at the meeting, which sort of caught my attention, uh, besides the mother's presentation, was essentially a neighbor in uh, East Enid, who's basic, who said, you know, we, we, our daughter, we have her go out and walk the dog in the evening yes. before we go to bed. We had never thought of, an, of a danger yeah. of, of having our daughter walk out and walk the dog. Now, obviously, we're concerned. And, you know, and let me tell you why I think that conversation in particular is important. Because what we cannot afford in this community is people being concerned to walk out in the street at night. Yeah, that's one thing that we've always been completely insulated from, the mainland. Right. Well, that only happens over there. Right. So, you know, and we cannot allow that to happen. Now, this is not an anti-police screed. As a matter of fact, I am the biggest supporter of law enforcement and the police. And I, you know, and the police arrested these individuals. And we need to sort of recognize the work that they've done but it's but again the issue isn't arresting at the back end the prime issue is how do we prevent it at the front end so i just wanted to talk a little bit about about this incident that happened prior to getting into the rickenbacker causeway because i think it is an existential threat to our way of life on key biscayne just like the rickenbacker was an existential threat to our way of life in key biscayne very good point fausto uh are you, you, are you going to make suggestions? I mean, now is a time that we are now getting together as a community once again for the Vision 2024, I think, committee is getting together. Used to be called the Vision 2020. Uh, I don't think anything has come from any of these vision committees. Uh, I know that there was talk about, you know, police surveillance, neighborhood policing in every single one of these vision committees since, geez, since the 90s. I've been around for that long. I don't know what's gonna, what we can suggest. Do you have a suggestion, uh, or you're just gonna wait for the police department to come up with one? Or I'm not an expert on criminal justice, and certainly not an expert on policing. Now, do you think they'll prosecute these kids? I don't think so. I would assume so. I would assume so, because what I read just this afternoon—that is armed assault. Man. It that's is a, armed assault. That's, a, that's yeah. a felony. That is correct. And um, so, you know, I'm not an expert. I know what I know, and I know what I don't know. But um, I think we need to be supportive of our police department. We need to be supportive of the administration. And uh, we just need to have the plan from the experts. And we need to sort of say, what is the plan? When are you going to implement it? I think that the issue here is, you know, we can have plans, but it's execution. And that, those are key. there's two things. You can have a plan or you can execute it. Okay? And I sort of think that we have gotten into a planning process and a very little few execution and a lot of planning is what I see here. And we need to execute and we need to know what we're going to do, when we're going to do it, how we're going to do it, okay? And what are we going to do in the interim? And that's, that's where I see that. And I think us as citizens should request that and go to our council and say, these are our benchmarks, not the, the specific parameters of the plan, but what is it, when is it going to be done, how is it going to be done, and what are you going to do in the interim 
while you're sort of effectuating this. And that, I think, are the benchmarks that for citizens of Peebus. It's, qu- it's, quite, it's, quite uh, it's quite a task for a new police chief. You know, mm-hmm. he's got to tackle this one and nip this one in the butt. Right. Well, the good thing is, obviously, he's a man of great experience, and he comes from Fort Lauderdale, and he was deputy chief and interim chief. And so, so um, I think we've been, um, you know, we've been fortunate to have professionals in our police department here, both in the past and currently. So, again, it is not a... Um, an anti-police discussion in any sense of the word. No, I think very it, pro-police. It is a very pro-police and very... And we've always funded the police in QSCAN, thank God. Yeah, yeah, it is very pro-police and frankly a very pro-community safety discussion that we need to have. And yeah, what's really, what's really is daunting is that nobody saw, nobody cares to see, or nobody's paying attention. Maybe that's our biggest problem here in QSCAN. We assume because of our, uh, the, the graces that life has bestowed on all of us in terms of the way we live, that we can afford to live this way, it still doesn't mean that we aren't, shouldn't be vigilant. And, uh, you know, vigilance is, has, it has a zero cost to it. It's just a desire. And I always remind myself of the Champagne Towers, you know, the, mm-hmm. uh, and what, what, what hurt so many people's lives over there was not so much that the building was having its issue, but was the lack of urgency at the board level, at the human level, at the neighborhood level, and the tacaño, and the tacaño right. being the cheap level, not wanting to address your your problems in your building. And look, what more devastating effect it could have when half the building goes crashing down. It's lack of urgency that I see in people that really uh, annoys the hell out of me because I'm urgent, man. I wake up, and I'm already, you know, I have two coffees by the time it's six in the morning. I'm already coffeeed out. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you I, you called me at seven thirty six <laughs> this morning to invite me to the show. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just immediately I'm a, I, I'm a, I just I've always my my father used to always say, "Oh, this is for yesterday. This is yesterday." In other words, he tells me something today, but he really wanted to tell me yesterday, and I was supposed to do it yesterday because I had to assume that I knew that he was going to tell me something today. And I implore that to everybody in the, in the village, everybody in here. Man, live your life every day as if you're going to be dead at midnight. L- live with a certain amount of urgency and act, act, act. Every time you don't act, something else is going to happen that you're going to wish you acted. And I hope that we resolve this issue. And I hope that this community, um, you know, wakes up and realizes, you know, I remember... Uh, many years ago, it just came to my memory now, I happened to be coming home from the from the Yacht Club on Harbor Drive, and my wife, I think, was like seven or eight uh, months pregnant. So I'm kind of like accelerating to surprise her on Harbor Drive. She makes a left turn, and uh, I lived on Harbor Drive at the time. And below, and you know it, two kids come out of my house with my bikes. <laughs> And I remember my son was like 10 years old. He was sitting to my right. I didn't sit there and call the police. I ran these guys down. And I tell my son, look, when I get close, you open the door. You're taking this guy down. The bike, everything's coming down. And my son looked at me like he knew his dad was serious. And sure enough, we took the, the kid down. And we didn't get the other kid. The kid got away. We only can get one at a time. But they came and told us we're not going to prosecute for the stealing of the bikes and all that. You know, the goal, we can't fill up the juvenile hall over this. And now look, 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 about 10 years later, and now it's a gun being drawn. And before we get into Rickenbacker, let's, let, let me allow me, if I can, to sort of talk about another issue, which again, just like an existential threat that we talked about the Rickenbacker was and the police, uh, I did never had the pleasure of meeting Mr. Brody, Cliff yes. Brody, which I understand who passed. Yes. And from everything I have read about him, I just want to express my deepest um, sentiments to his family, to his friends. The original. Yeah, and to his colleagues. Uh, You know, from what I've been reading, Mr. Brody was a visionary with regards to the fire rescue department in Key Biscayne. That was his responsibility in the early days. Right. We had a Key Biscayners for a responsive government, and we also had like, uh, it was called a Key, I believe it was called Key Biscayne Council. Uh, we were called originally the Board of Trustees when we were elected uh, right. original Board of Trustees. And he served on that council, and his responsibility was uh, police and fire and 
uh, crunch the numbers in order for us to have our own fire department. Many people didn't believe it was necessary since we had one right there at Kramer sure. Boulevard. So, yeah, he was vis- very visionary in that regard. Yeah. And so, so I was reading a piece by Gene Stearns in Slay Islander, which I thought was very instructive. And Gene talks about how Miami-Dade County did not want Key Biscayne to have its own independent fire department. This is true. And how Miami-Dade County sort of came to the island and, and presented perhaps uh, misinformation to the residents of Key Biscayne. But one of the things that Well, is, they were anti-incorporation as well. Right. <laughs> they didn't want us to leave. No one had left in like 60 years. Right. And so, and so the residents of Key Biscayne voted in favor to have their own fire rescue department, and Mr. Brody took the lead on that. And I will tell you as, and again, I did not have the pleasure or the honor of meeting him, but I certainly sort of respect what he did, which I think is crucial to our basically living in this community. Quality of life, absolutely. Right. Now, let me tell you something that Miami-Dade County tried to do subsequent to that. Miami-Dade County tried to take our fire department away. I don't know how many people know this. I, I don't. I, I'm, I'm dying to find out because I didn't know. Okay. So when I lobbied in Tallahassee, uh, I represent, there are five communities in Miami-Dade County have their own independent fire departments. The city of Miami, the city of Miami Beach, the city of Coral Gables, Key Biscayne, and the city of Hialeah. So in 2007, 2008, when the economic difficulties were in the, um, our nation, Miami-Dade County tried to eliminate the independent fire departments and have them all be incorporated into Miami-Dade County. For the tax, for the tax reasons, to get, the, get the money themselves. That is correct. Jeez. Okay. And if you wanted to have your own independent fire department, Miami-Dade County was proposing, not Miami-Dade County, but, but it was Miami-Dade County, but they were using somebody else, and I'll, I'll explain that to you. We're proposing to charge one mill of property taxes that you would have to pay for the county as tribute for you having your own independent fire oh, rescue really? department. Oh, that's for their I'm blessing. Saying. For their blessing. So one mill of taxes, of our property taxes, would go as tribute to Miami-Dade County if we wanted to keep our own fire rescue department, or if not, we would fold into Miami-Dade County. Oh, strong arming us. Right. So here's what Miami-Dade County did. And again, I represented four of those five cities. Miami-Dade County had the Fire Union of Palm Beach County, Fire Union of Palm Beach County, present a bill for application to Miami-Dade County with regards to the surtax, the 1% surtax, and or folding it into into, uh, Miami-Dade County. Uh, apparently, this was concocted by the former county manager. Who is now, uh, was our county mayor? No, no, no. No? No, no. This was the last count, official county Jimenez manager. Jimenez was in the fire department for many years. You know, years. Jimenez... Jimenez you tricked me. I thought you were going there. No, <laughs> Jimenez actually was opposed to this. Oh, okay. Because remember, Jimenez had been fire chief in the city of Miami. Yes. Okay. So I forgot the name of the last official county manager who worked in concert with the Palm Beach County Fire Union to try to get this done. Wow. So what we did on behalf of Key Biscayne and on behalf of my other clients, just so you know, we sort of looked and saw who had surtaxes, more than three unexpiring surtaxes in the state of Florida. And there were only two counties that did that. One was Lafayette County and the other was (laughs) Miami-Dade. The big county. So Miami-Dade had surtax for the homeless, surtax for the um, for the children, and the surtax for oh, the children's uh, trust, yes. And for the hospital, for the three. Jackson Memorial. That's correct. And so the other one was Lafayette County. So I called Lafayette County and spoke to the mayor of Lafayette County, and I said, are you going to have any more surtaxes? Absolutely not. This is, this is it. So I let this bill go through, but in a in a um, in the tax bill, unrelated to this, I just put some language saying that no county can have more than three unexpiring surtaxes. Ah, so that's it. So it came back to Miami-Dade County, and there was a ruckus. And remember, Miami-Dade County was intimately involved in this, including everybody in the government relations section of Miami-Dade County. And then they had a choice to make. Are we going to get rid of the surtax for hospital? 
Are we going to get rid of the surtax for the homeless? Not easy. Or get rid of the home of the surtax for children? Boy, there are three no-nos. Right. <laughs> there are three impossibles. And so the issue died. But Miami-Dade County attempted in 2007-2008 to take our fire department away. Yeah, so it's pretty obvious that without your know-how, uh, we'd really be a at a loss, so I, well, I, th- I, I have to thank you for coming in, moving to keep his game, because how in the hell would we have heard, known, taught what you're telling us in the last 10 minutes? Uh, I don't see it. No one in the key would have ever known any of these things. Yeah, well, that, that happened, and, uh, and it's documented. It cost me. I will tell you this, which is very funny. So I got a complaint, an ethics complaint, from Miami-Dade County. Uh, because yeah, I, yeah, they'll come up with anything. Right, so they come up with anything. It was just dismissed. That was yeah. that was ridiculous. All right, so yeah, so Mr. Brody, you know, I rest cert- in peace. Rest in peace. I admire what you did, and this little piece of legislation, so we can keep your vision of having that fire department. I think I sort of dedicate it to you. So thank you, sir, for everything you did for our community. Wow, that's uh, that's uh, I, I love that uh, Bill Durham. You should be paying attention to that one. I think you should uh, speak to Fausto and uh, write a, a continued article in the Islander because Bill, Bicycle Bill, we call him. Right. Very uh, probably my oldest friend uh, since the fifth grade. He gave me my first job, and uh, he's writing articles now in the Islander about the past. Right. So this is one of these uh, stories that storied past, and it's more pivotal now that. Uh, Mr. Brody has passed away. That he elaborate and uh, take this, uh, have this put in print. So now we got to go to Plan Z. Now let's go to Plan Z. All right, all right. Again, good. so there's no uh, no thought of a Bayside at Crandon Marina because <laughs> it could easily have turned into that. One yeah. thing starts, and then before you know it, you're you're, you're faced with a Bayside at, at Crandon Marina. So right now, Plan Z is dead. There is no threat with regards to Plan Z. Um, let's, let's do a little bit of history, and then let's go to where we're at and what we should be doing in the future. Little history. Uh, this is the third mayor, Mayor Levine Cava, is the third mayor of Miami-Dade County who has tried to privatize the Rickenbacker. And we know for sure that she's guilty of participating in this? Uh, no, no. So let, let, me, let me sort of get it. Mayor Alvarez, when he was mayor of Miami-Dade County, wanted to sell the Rickenbacker to the Miami-Dade Expressway Authority, and the price was $100 million. Okay. Subsequent to that, Miami-Dade Expressway Authority was not had no interest in buying the Rickenbacker from Miami-Dade County. Subsequent to that, Mayor Jimenez attempted a deal for the privatization with FIG Engineering and the Munilla Brothers Construction. And Munillas have had many government contracts. That's correct. And they were sort of, you know, proceeding along on similar to Plan Z and a privatization, et cetera, et cetera. Until the, the bridge collapsed in front of FIU. Uh, that's correct, <laughs> because they were all involved on that. And there was an article in the Miami Herald, which I had a hand in making sure it was published, uh, because at that time, if I recall correctly, the toll was going to be $5 in and $5 out. So we were talking about $10 for coming into Key Biscayne. Oh, my. Lordy, lordy, lordy. If I recall correctly, that was the number. And there was a discussion to not have a C-pass for the residents and the folks who work on Key Biscayne. In other words, stick us with the 10 bucks. So that would have been impossible for the residents. Um, That's 3600 bucks if you work every day off the key. Now, again, the, this is coming from memory, and perhaps somebody has a documentation that can correct me, but I think I'm right. Uh, and so therefore, then subsequently, the F, you had the FIU bridge tragedy, Fig and Munilla were involved in that. They sued each other. Everybody was pointing fingers. Running for the hills, baby. Running for the hills, and this thing, this thing died. Uh, subsequently, now you have third county mayor, which is Mayor Levine Cava. She accepted uh, Bernard Siskovich's plan for out of nowhere, really. Right. Plan a, Z. He just did it because he was a bicyclist and he had the support of the bicyclists. Right. And you know, and this was sort of a under the under the unsolicited proposal ordinance and let's and state legislation this is confidentiality et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. i have told bernard because i consider bernard a friend and as i've said publicly every place i've stood i stood i represented bernard on some issues not relating to plan z relating to school construction 
Uh, I consider him a friend. I consider him a visionary, without a doubt. With regards to what he does in urban planning, he's one of the best in the country. I told him he was ill-served by the process, and he was ill-served by the county. Um, and he I, underestimated the, 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 the passion and purpose of the Key Biscayne resident. Yes. And so, therefore, those three things happened. In 2019, Mayor Davey brought to council a proposal to hire an engineering firm or a consultant to basically prepare ourselves for the eventuality of a unsolicited proposal or a proposal similar to what Mayor Jimenez had been talking about. And that was brought to Mayor Davies' attention by Sir Bando Parapar, who is a resident of Key Biscayne, and by myself. And I remember Mayor Davy going to council, presenting... He was a council member at the time, or was it when he... This was right after... he was he, elected, and then he, yeah, he... This was right after he'd been elected mayor. I remember him going to council. I remember him... Oh, so he was already mayor. Yes. Okay. Uh, actually, Sir Bando and I had lunch with him at the Yacht Club. We told him this the history of the Rickenbacker, that what we knew, we said this is probably going to come back in some form or fashion, you know, um, and I think we as a community should be prepared. Um, Mayor Davey, to his credit, took it to council in 2019. Council did not act on it. Uh, there were two particular council members who led the charge against it. Um, Lack of vision. Well, one was uh, Katie Petros and the other was Ed London. And let me just say this, Ed London subsequently recognized that, um, you know, that should have happened. And Ed London was, you know, holding up a sign against Plan Z at the famous meeting with Commissioner Regalado. Ed London. The second meeting. The second meeting. Ed London absolutely recognized that and and stood firmly with the community against Plan Z. Uh, commissioner, former Commissioner Petros, uh, I remember her coming in front of council and making some comments that we needed to work with the county and cooperate with the county, et cetera, et cetera. Never. We didn't incorporate to cooperate with the county. Well, we need to cooperate with, with other we governmental can, entities. We can also, we can hear what they have to say, but they never have our interests at heart. They don't. Right. But, but it's a responsibility to protect our residents, not to... And well, it doesn't seem that they have those interests in heart. They really don't. Um, I'm sorry, but uh, I've been around long enough to know that the counties never really uh, they could, they don't feel our, they don't feel our pain. They just figure we're affluent, we don't have problems, and therefore we should protect this giant driveway into right. our island. And so that that happened, and then Plan Z was on the table. Um, I remember you invited me to the show, and, yes. and we started the whole discussion about Plan Z publicly in this radio station, in this show, and that that got the ball rolling with residents of Key Biscayne because, you know, this was a resident-led process, a cooperative process. Yeah, I process. think uh, Raquel was quite impressed with the difference of, uh, of residents, and you got, you got to hand it to her because she came here and did her job to represent us and let us know what was going on, but had we not filled that room the second time around, I'm not so sure if she was going to had the, uh, the the wherewithal to realize, look, I've got the backing of the residents. They don't want this. This put this, this shoot this down. At the time of the first meeting, I felt, I walked away from that meeting feeling like the moho was being made. Right. Absolutely. And so, therefore, so let's, let's take a f- few steps back and then we go forward. Um, after, you know, prior to that meeting with Commissioner Regalado, that was a fairly contentious meeting. Let's put it that way. Yes. Okay. Uh, and the citizens of Key Biscayne and the residents let her know their opinion of Plan Z. Not only to her, but to the whole staff of Miami-Dade County, senior staff of Miami-Dade County. And I remember Gene Stern stood up and, and made some very pogent, cogent... You're very, and, you're very informed. Yeah, and pointed questions. And, and I remember that, um, that I remember standing up myself and making some other points. I remember some other some gentleman stood up and and uh, facetiously said that Commissioner Regalado had done something which, which is unique in the history of Key Biscayne. <laughs> and she had unified the whole community against her. Against <laughs> that was a good comment. Right. So, you know, you remember that meeting. Yes, I do. After that meeting, which is very, which is very, very funny now, 
So after that meeting, I'm walking towards the garage there in the bottom of the community center with my car. And a former council member comes to me and he says, you know, this is a waste of time. I said, really? He says, you can't beat the county. We cannot beat the county. We just that is so not true. We, we just need to let it happen. No, man. Okay. <laughs> and That's the whole reason why we incorporated, right. to put up the fight. Right. And so he basically, this, this former council member, just told me straight out, we can't beat the county. This is a waste of time. We just need to let it happen. And, you know, we'll, we'll live with it. Please. Well, I can, I can tell that former council member that he was wrong. He was very wrong. Very wrong. And you can beat County Hall. If you have the courage, the knowledge, the skills. And you're forthright enough. And you're forthright. You, and you believe in your leaders who've taken the charge. Because yeah, a lot of people don't realize that if you're not going to take a charge, someone else is going to take a charge. The least you can do is support the person who's taking the charge. And that's a big issue in, in humanity is that, man, if someone is taking the charge, have some decency and support them. Because you're doing absolutely nothing. And let, let me just do an aside. And that applies you, by the way. You oh. are a person who has taken the charge. You always have. Uh, the people of Key Biscayne doesn't quite understand how much you represented us and, and the due diligence you've done way before you were a resident of Key Biscayne. Right. Well, I've been I've owned a property for 20 years, and I've been a full-time resident for close to 10 years. 10 years. Yeah. So, and let me just put it aside. And I have enjoyed working with Gene Stearns on this issue. Mr. Stearns, Gene and I and Mr. Stearns and I have, I think, made a formidable pair, um, perhaps. And you, you get to know each other what? over this issue, basically. Right. So and in other words, you don't have a history with him from before this incident. No, I, I obviously, I really don't have a history with anybody. Yeah. My position in this community is I don't see divisions. People try to categorize people. Oh, you're here, you're yeah, there. Yeah, labeling. Labeling. You know, I don't believe in labeling. We even had for many years. It's not that doesn't really apply today, but I definitely can can attest to this. The pro and anti incorporation movements. Yeah. Those were that's those were two separations for a long time. Mm. But time eventually heals all these wounds, yeah. and everybody's got to realize by now that pro incorporation. We were right. We needed to leave the county. Yeah. So I am. I am who I am. I am my own person. I don't carry anybody's flag except my own. Okay. And I think, and I believe Mr. Stern as well, and that's why I respect him. Uh, and we work well together, and uh, and we both came in front of council. But the first time I came in front of council, I think you were there. Yes. And I started to, to make my little speech, which is three minutes and maximum, and I was cut off. And after I was caught, I mean, there was some debate in council whether it allowed me to finish or not finish, et cetera, et cetera. And I understand the rules, and I am not upset at that. What really upset me is that after I was cut off to talking about the Rickenbacker, which was and is an existential threat, threat to, to this community, people. the council spent an hour discussing what to name Paradise Park. Police. <laughs> <laughs> this is the issue, man. It's, un it's unbelievable. All right. So the question is, where are the priorities or where were the priorities? Now, I will tell you this. After the citizens led the council, and after the citizens sort of stood up and organized and said, this is what we want, the council followed. This was a citizen-led initiative, not a politically-led initiative. And that's crucially important. Absolutely. Crucially important. So I want to congratulate the citizens and residents of Key Biscayne who led this charge. Let me... Let me so now we're talking about this, and then Mr. Stern and I sort of stood up jointly in front of council, and that is the first time that the council took an affirmative position against the Z plan. Prior to that, the council had not acted. Exactly. Prior to that, the that, council... That sentiment of that ex-council member, you'd be surprised, is a sentiment that might already uh, have taken hold until you stood up. That we're just going to let the county do whatever the hell they want. And then we're going to pretend like or we were in Africa. I think oh. I just heard that. I heard that out loud one, you know, that oh, uh, I was in Africa traveling when this was happening. And I was like, uh-huh, not good enough. No. <laughs> and, you know, and um, I remember one of the first, and I'll, listen, it's time to sort of, it's time to sort of tell some truths. Okay. And, um. And I think it's, it's important for all your listeners, and I, listen, I can be challenged on these facts, but if you're going to challenge me on the facts, I have the facts. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
You better you, have a good, a good set of facts. You better have a good set of facts and come on in, right? And yeah. we, we can love to have a debate with anybody in this radio station. Okay. Absolutely, we got microphones here. We have Lord. microphones, and I'll debate anybody. And it comes in stereo here on WSQF ninety four five. I'll be glad to debate anybody on this issue. Okay, um, you know, when Mr. Stearns and I stood in front of council together, that's the first time that the council took an affirmative position against the Z plan. And I remember Mr. Gross, Gary Gross, who called in and said it's time to put our war paint on. I remember other members of this community calling. Uh, basically urging council to base to have a stand up for us stand up for us and the city of Miami Beach had already done it the city of Miami yeah, Beach they, they asked for separation from the RFP and so the they could fight so they could fight on their own right and the city of Miami Beach had already taken an affirmative position against the Venetian causeway the privatization of the Venetian causeway and we we still had not we were, and listen i remember I'll, uh, after one of the presentations before the council had taken an affirmative position against the Z plan, uh, the administration had basically said, we have gotten everything we wanted in negotiations with the county. So I looked, I looked at the list. You know, frankly, the majority of those items, the majority of those items were required by state law. Oh my God. So <laughs> you hear that folks? Think he's, Think not, but it's you know they kind of laugh at us all the time. So we were we were claiming we were claiming victory for things that had to happen. Unbelievable. Okay, but I will say this: after the council stood up, and after prodding and after urging from the citizens of Key Biscayne, myself and Mr. Stern, and Mr. Gross, and many other people in this community, many other people in this community, okay, basically the council took an affirmative position joined with the citizens and the passivity that they had sort of left and then they they focused on trying to basically kill the z plan which is important very important okay. but like like the the crime subject before what are we going to do going forward so, in a proactive sense in a creative sense what what one of the things that I stood up that many people agreed and disagreed is why can't we buy the Rickenbacker Causeway from them? Well, we can. So, so let's go forward and say, so where, where are we now? Okay. Yes. We, if we basically sit on our duffs and do nothing, we will face a similar challenge to the Z plan sometime in the future. Yeah, when they have to do something with the stadium. That's a big elephant in the room that's been sitting there since Hurricane Andrew. Something has to happen with that property. It can't just sit there forever, and everybody's neglected it. So you know they're gonna they're gonna come at us again. So I would think that we as a community should establish what we want the Rickenbacker to be, with some baseline issues. The Rickenbacker has to be efficient. It has to be safe. Mm-hmm. It has to be multimodal. So all the users, the bicyclists, the automobiles, et cetera, et cetera, can traverse it in a safe and manner. And runners and pedestrians and everybody else. So it has to be safe. It has to be efficient as a road to move people in and out of Key Biscayne and the parks and the beaches and all that sort of stuff. It also has to, you know, and we should include sort of Crandon Park and some of the ancillary. Oh, my God. It's the most. It's the most visited park in the county. Yeah, some of the ancillary things that the county has neglected should be included. So we as Key Biscayners should develop our vision for the Rickenbacker. And we should begin developing it that now. Right now. And what I suggest is that the council not give this to the 2040 committee or not give this to a group of people who have not been involved in the Rickenbacker issue and frankly do not know it. Okay. But create a specific task force of people who know the Rickenbacker issue, who know transportation. And, you know, I have so, some names, suggestions. I think Mr. Stern should be in it. I think I should be in it. I think Sir Bando Parapar, who's a transportation expert, should be in it. I think somebody like... Um, Stop at five, though. Yeah. <laughs> you got to get along. Yeah. And uh, what do you call it? Um, so, I mean... Yeah, an engineer would be, uh, you know, us, because you actually have structures you have to deal with. Right. And I think the council should allocate some funding for an engineering firm 
to work with this task force, which is focused exclusively on the Rickenbacker Causeway. So we essentially now set the parameters for it, and then we establish the template. And this would be a community participatory event with the citizens of Key Biscayne and the residents of Key Biscayne saying, this is what we want or this is what we don't want, and these are things that are important to us. We have that opportunity now. And then we establish the template for what we want the Rickenbacker to be. And let everybody know. And let everybody, everybody know. Everybody in Miami, the county, know what we want. Absolutely. And that also has to include our neighbors in greater Miami. Because the Rickenbacker is used by the citizens of Hialeah, the citizens of West Miami, the citizens Absolutely. of Miami. So they need to be taken into account as well. Okay. Once we do that, we give it to the county. And we basically say, all right, we have a couple of options here. Number one is we can do an intergovernmental transfer from Miami-Dade County to Key Biscayne. There is a legal procedure for doing that. And it's been done in the past in other situations, I suppose. The city of Hialeah, through intergovernmental transfer, took over some some um, roads owned by Miami-Dade County. Listen, the Rickenbacker is very different than, than yeah, a couple of roads in Hialeah, but, but, it's, but it's been there. The city of Miami took over Brickell Avenue from the state through an intergovernmental transfer. There you go. That's probably the best example. Right. So there is that opportunity. I have spoken to that in front of council. They have sort of not wanted to hear it, but but there is that opportunity there. The other opportunity... It does, is that a sale or is it just a government inter, transfer? Intergovernmental transfer. So there's no monies involved or there is in a way? There could be. There could be. In other words, compensation? Uh, it all depends. How, how would they just uh, hand over the $10 million that comes to the toll... Just give it to us. Well, remember that it's eleven million that comes in through the toll, yeah. and that is not sufficient. Absolutely. Be- because and yes, we need to double it. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not sufficient to meet the needs of the Rickenbacker right. because you need to change the Bearcut Bridge, and that's a significant sum. You need to fix the Powell Bridge sometime in the future. That's a significant sum. So what the Rickenbacker generates today, yeah, they generate a little profit, and that profit is taken and spent throughout the county. Okay. Like but, the school district does right. <laughs> but but essentially, you know, the obligations for the Rickenbacker cannot be met with the current toll revenue. So that's a that's a big that's a that's a big issue. Uh, we need to address that. Right, and so therefore, you know, if we take on that responsibility, we can do an intergovernmental transfer. There's that's one option. Second option is we can give the template to the county work with Mayor Levine Caba, work with Commissioner Regalado and others, and basically say, county, go out to an RFP, and this is what the citizens of Key Biscayne and certainly those that use a causeway would like to see there. You know, and that and that's a county process. They put an RFP and, out. And what, what would keep it from not being private? Because well, I'm, not, I'm not against uh, privatization. I believe that privatization is an ongoing reality nationwide. The governments are dealing with private contractors all the time to, to build things, to, to widen roads, to get tolls. In the, heart of, in the heart of the matter, shouldn't we, in the control of this, uh, fair, you know, this thoroughfare, shouldn't we seriously consider what I loved, which was who can tell me we shouldn't bond out a tunnel for Key Biscayne. Oh. See, you, that's you, a big one. You, you and I will disagree on a tunnel, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, so, so Elon, I'm coming after you. We're going to talk. i got to bring Elon here. Yeah. So third option <laughs> is is give the Rickenbacker to Miami-Dade Expressway Authority. Okay. Now. The, How about a single road for us? The original charter, remember, Miami-Dade Expressway Authority is an agency of Miami-Dade County. Mm-hmm. Okay. Miami-Dade Express for 30, the experts in transportation. They, most transportation projects, major transportation projects are in Miami-Dade County. And done. you find them to be competent people and they really know their stuff? Yes. Or do you think it's... I, found them, I find them to be very competent people. Okay. So one of the options is to give it to them. They have the bonding capacity. They have the expertise. Then the question is, how do we get involved? I would basically say, listen, county, you can give it to MDX. I just as an aside, I used to be MDX's lobbyist since they established till basically I sold my firm a couple of years ago and Gene Stearns happens to be MDX's lawyer currently. Okay, so that okay. makes things a little easier. Right. And I would propose basically MDX is a good 
safe harbor, experts who know transportation very well, and then the board of MDX be amended through county ordinance to include the mayor of Key Biscayne or his or her designee. And that way we have one person on on the the board of MDX right on the board. And one of the things that's interesting is when the Board of County Commissioners established the Miami Expressway Authority, one of the things that's in their original charter is that they would take over the Venetian and they would take over the Rickenbacker. Oh, so it's part of the vision plan. It's part of the original vision plan, which was done by Art Teal, Maurice Ferre, and, and Miguel Diaz La Portilla. Oh, my God. How about that? Which were the three sponsors, original sponsors for MDX. Obviously, Miguel is the only one who's still... With us, the other two have passed. Yes. But so those are some options that we have as a community. But the first step that we need to take is a small group of individuals who know transportation, who know the Rickenbacker, who have been involved in the issue, and then start crafting with citizen participation our plan for the Rickenbacker Causeway. So answer the, the magic question. Is it conceivable for us to have an exclusive access to Key Biscayne? Yes. So that we're not affected by their concerts, we're not affected by the partying, the yeah. marathons? Absolutely. So, so um, over the top of the existing causeway, since yeah. nobody wants to go underneath the bay like I do, uh, over the top, uh, maybe uh, widen the road so that it's just us with our own little pass, yeah, and we just go into the island. So I don't know if it's exclusive, but certainly uh, Mr. Stearns um, has convinced me, and I am a full, I'm fully convinced of the overpass idea, because essentially the, the problems of the Rickenbacker is that 1.2 miles, linear miles, where you have this aquarium, when you have the, the marine lights. stadium, yeah. where you have the parks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So how about if you have like an overpass? from the Powell Bridge through to the uh, Bear Cut Bridge, which is an overpass coming in to Key Biscayne. And so you let the traffic, that 1.2 mile, go at grade. So anybody who wants to go to a concert or the stadium or whatever, the Marine Stadium there, goes at grade. They don't impact the the road to Key Biscayne, and you sort of fly over them. Yeah, you know, basically. Through. We don't come down until after the Credit Marina. That's correct. Okay, And so... I think that has to be a crucial part of any plan for the Rickenbacker Causeway. Um, and I will give credit to, to Gene Stearns for sort of bringing that to my attention, and I, I fully Well, he was that. also a proponent of, at the time, uh, to not do what the county did with the, with the Bearcut Bridge, just add a solid portion and attach the old portion. The, the the underbelly of the old bridge is a disaster. I, uh, you know, if there's ever a five o'clock jam, I'm hope I'm not on there, uh, because that bridge is that bridge is getting ready to go into the sea. It would be a total tragedy if all of a sudden there was a car accident there. Thousands of cars are backed up, and there's probably how many cars you think back to back could actually be stuck on the bridge in a in a traffic jam? I really don't know. Uh, yeah, that could easily be the weight of a hundred cars. Two lanes. Man, that side of the bridge could easily go into the bay. It's happened in Cartagena, in the, in the town of Cartagena in Colombia. There was a traffic jam, and the new bridge, of course, this is South America, so you can imagine what happened in that construction, but that new bridge fell, and the Colombians right now are using the Colonial Bridge to go to Cartagena. That's 300 years old, made out of wood. <laughs> but, but to close the challenge that we have, and I think Tuesday was very, very, very instructive on the challenge that we're going to have moving forward. I must commend Key Biscayne because this is a new Key Biscayne. It's not the same Key Biscayne that I grew up in. And they stood up just the same. And they fought hard. They voiced their concern. There's a lot of intelligent questions asked that night. Uh, I'm talking about the second meeting. Sure. And it was quite uh, quite a moment to see our community stand up for itself. Very. Cool. And our community stood up for itself yeah. very strong. So... And this is the, the, let me just explain a little bit of the challenge that I think we're going to have moving forward. And I'll sort of name, sort of names here, which I think is important. Last Tuesday was a council meeting. Councilman Segurola had an item about the Rickenbacker Causeway. Okay. Um, the agenda, you know, they start pulling items off the agenda, adding items on the agenda through the normal process. Uh, Councilmember Brett Moss proposed to remove 
the Rickenbacker discussion from the agenda. And, um, you know, Councilmember Laredo and the mayor said, listen, it's never done. When a council member wants to discuss something, we have yeah. the courtesy to let him discuss it. So Councilmember Moss wanted to remove it, not have the Rickenbacker be discussed. This is the day before the boat on Wednesday on the county commission to kill the Rickenbacker. And do you know what Councilmember Segurola, what he, the only thing he had about the Rickenbacker? Asking the residents of Key Biscayne to call, write, email, or attend the county commission meeting asking the county commissioners to kill the Rickenbacker Causeway. Wow, is that... It, so my question is... What is Moss thinking? My question, why, you know, what is, you know, this was a call to the community. A community has stood up and said, we do not want the Z-Plan. Commissioner um, uh, Segurola, or council member Segurola, yes. had it on the agenda. Commissioner Moss initially said, let's take it off the agenda. <coughs> to, to the credit of the mayor and commissioner and council member Lloyd, I'm sorry, commissioners and council, basically said no. We, have, we basically have a policy here that any council member has an item on the agenda can discuss it. Okay. Does, does anybody have an idea what the motivation was? To I, I don't know, but th that's a... I, I, think the, I think the county needed to know that the village had been... That it was a hot item, that yeah. it was something we were paying attention to. Yeah, so those are the sort of things that... Those are the challenges that we as a community have moving forward. Okay? Yeah, there's a lot of people, especially people that we elect, can't see, don't want to see around the corner. You elect someone to have some vision, man, to kind of, you know, help the community see clearly because they can see around the corner. Can't expect every citizen to be paying attention. So at least have forthright. You've shown that time and time again that you have an ability to see around the corner from your years of experience dealing with governments. Uh, there's a certain clairvoyance that, that you bring to the table that I think people should really heed your advice, heed your Heed this radio show, by the way, on WSQFradio.com. This recording will be booted up tomorrow. It just takes a moment for me to record it here today, and then you can see it on the webpage. And you can live stream that from, ever, from wherever you want. You can be in this, you can actually be out of town to listen to this show on WSQFradio.com. So you'll hear this interview. It'll be in, in the, full, the full version tomorrow on the website. Um, so I know, I know we're, we're closing. It's 7 o'clock. We've had an hour. So if, yeah. if you will allow me to make sort of a... Closing statement. Go for it. No, not a closing statement. Just an announcement. Okay. Uh, you know, I am the president of the Key Biscayne Condominium President's Council. And we have moved the President's Council to be uh, perhaps from involvement in public policy, and there used to be a significant involvement in public policy towards quality of life issues for not only multifamilies, but single family homes. We're beginning a lecture series on Key Biscayne. Oh, interesting. So the first one is going to be on January 31st, and we're bringing Sharon James, who, and it's going to be about property insurance. Okay. So, so who is Sharon James? Sharon James, under three insurance commissioners, was a consumer advocate for the state of Florida. Oh, interesting. Somebody who I know quite well. I contacted her, and I asked her, would you sort of do us the honor of coming to Key Biscayne and talking about property insurance. You know, what are the issues? What are the prospects? How can we self-insure if we want to self-insure or not? And she is coming down January 31st. We're going to have a meeting at uh, 6 o'clock. Everybody, everybody, multifamily, single-family residents, everybody in Key Biscayne is invited. We're, it's going to take place where? It's going to be TBA. Um, we're looking at two spots right now. Uh, Got to be able to hold a considerable amount of people. Absolutely. And and in the future, we're going to do similar. Every month, we're going to have a lecture series bringing individuals who are significant. We're going to bring... Program. Well, we did, a, we did an event that, what, that, that Tony was involved with uh, at the Ocean Club with a climate change, uh, yeah. sea level rise. So the... Uh, and we, you know, sat down in a dinner setting. It was quite a, quite a presentation. And that might be something that you... Now, we're, we're not going to do dinner. This is going to be a... No, no, no. Was it... Uh, well, actually, you know, I think you're right. I think they served, No, I don't think they served this dinner. No. But so, it was, you know, in tables. Right. We all listened to the... No, this, this is going to be interactive. 
we're going to have uh, Ms. so maybe the island just the island room at the community right center. so Sharon James is coming uh, again an expert on property insurance served for three separate commissioners Republicans Democrats as the consumer advocate of the state of Florida on property insurance she knows issues yeah. better than all of us and it is an opportunity for us as residents of Key Biscayne to ask questions become more informed try to manage the insurance costs because I can tell you that where I live insurance went up 30 percent yep and um, right now insurance is the highest cost driver of our budget at the condominium I live in and I and I think that's similar to a lot of private homes and similar to Very a lot islands, of the condominiums. Man, they get they get shellacked every time there's an increase in insurance. It mm-hmm. hits the islanders right. and people who live on the coastline the, the worst. So, so this is the first one. Uh, we're just going to be an ad in the um, in our local newspaper, the Islander. There's going to be email blast, and I'm in, I want to invite everybody on Key Biscayne, everybody in Key Biscayne, to come meet her and listen to property insurance, what the issues are, and what possible solutions there could be for, for the rising costs. Wow. And I want to attend in that, and thank you, Manny, for the invitation. It's always a pleasure to come to Blink Radio and come with you. Well, we blink once, I said it, blink twice. You missed it. Thank you very much for your time, Fausto, and uh, stay. I can only encourage you to you know, stay involved. I, I strongly suggest you. I'd like to see you elected. I'd like to see you on the board. Um, not that I really want you behind that plexiglass because I find that really out of control. <laughs> but nevertheless, neither here nor there, just thank you for you know, giving a damn about our community. It's, it's so important that people like you uh, represent us. So, folks, that's, uh, that's basically it. Again, uh, WSQFradio.com will have this full recording tomorrow. Thank you for listening to WSQF Blink Radio. And guess what? Rock and roll, no commercials. We're back with the Beatles. Take care.